All right, Pittsburgh, this is the Death Star here, and you are listening to MMA Fancast. Tune in. Oh, baby, what time is it? You're listening to MMA Fancast. Here are your hosts, Jim Mooney and Luke Payson. Welcome to this episode of MMA Fancast. I'm Luke. I'm joined by John DeJesus. John, welcome. Going on, man. Hey, it's been an exciting couple months for you. Um, after all those months in quarantine and you guys training really hard, uh, you had a great debut for Bellator. We had you on the show to talk about Bellator. And now you're back to talk about kind of everything that's happened since your fight um, for Bellator. What's been going on the last couple months? And then obviously we got big news coming up for you in November. Yeah, not much really. Nothing's changed. I work every day. I train hard every day. And now we're getting ready for the next one. Okay. And uh, talking about the next one, you are fighting Aaron Pico, who um, is sort of a big name for a guy that only has nine pro fights, six and three, but he made his debut for Bellator. Uh, You probably know a lot about it. But for our audience, he was kind of supposed to be the next big thing in MMA. Uh, And I guess you could call it a hype train. However you look at it, he's got a lot of, People looking at him, and what is it like to you to be able to fight him uh, for your second fight with Bellator? I mean, what can I say? He, this dude's been on my list for a while now. When he was on top of his game, knocking people out left and right, he fell off the tracks two fights. You know, got knocked out, got finished a couple of times, but uh, people are still looking at him like the next big hope or something like that. He's a Golden Gloves champion. He's a Olympic alternate or something like that, man. He's just another wrestler that's going to go crotch sniffing at the end of the day. Yes, you have quite the experience with wrestlers. You just fought the Russian wrestler was 16 and 0 and um, had a ton of pedigree coming in and you put on an absolute clinic. I still like watching that fight when I get a chance. It's just so <laughs> incredible. What is it? What does it feel like for you to be able to have that fight under your belt for Bellator against a guy who had an incredible record and an incredible wrestling pedigree now that you're going in to the fight against Aaron. Yeah, I mean, Bellator knows what I'm about now. They know that uh, I come to fight, I come to bang, and I won't say no to anybody. The dude was 16-1 and and some savage in Russia. So they know uh, I'm game. They know that I've been in this game for a long time, and they know that I can fight. So that's the best thing that I got out of that. Yeah, it's a huge compliment to who you are. And I know that a lot of people in the Bellator world um, talked about that knee that you landed against your most recent opponent and kind of flashy stuff like that always uh, gets people's attention. Um, do Do you give this any special credence because it's Aaron or would you be as focused if it was any of your second? opponent for Bellator. Yeah, it's, I don't care that it's Pico. I don't care that it it would be anybody else. I go in there to perform and to get the dub each each and every time. I don't care who it is that's um, stepping across from me. Your attitude is incredible. You and Kama both have that um, together. You know, you guys have that mindset to really put on a clinic regardless of who you're fighting. Um, You're gonna be fighting November 12th for Bellator. Um, have they talked to you? Is it going to be an empty 
event? Are they going to have some people? Because it seems like sports are starting to get some people back in uh, the audience. I haven't heard anything as far as that goes, but I'm pretty sure it's still going to be an empty event. You know, it's going to be us, the camera crew, or whoever else is uh, employed by Bellator and my cornerman and lady. Okay. All right, that makes sense. And where is where is this event? Um, I saw it announced, but I, I don't remember the location of the event. It's in Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun. Okay. And that's where your last event was, wasn't it? Sure it was. Had so a great time. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Well, your <laughs> first for them, which is which is incredible. Um, now that it's been uh, about, what, a month and a half since you last fought, um, are you, I guess it's an easy answer, but are you happy to be fighting for Bellator? Is that it does it mean something to you to be at that level? 100%, man. I've been working 11 years towards this goal, and I'm finally here. It took me a while, but I'm finally here, and I'm here to stay and ready to uh, to rise through the ranks and to shock the world. Absolutely. And rising through the ranks and shocking the world is what you've already been doing with your first fight, and I think that's what's exciting about this matchup. Um, Beltor is really giving you um, – exposure that you might not have gotten if you fought somebody else. Aaron Pico is still going to have extra eyes on that fight because of him. And that's something that you can benefit from and take, take that name. You talk a lot about that in some of the other interviews I've done with you wanting to take people's names and records from that. Yeah, man, I'm here to, first of all, we're going to be on CBS sports. We're going to be the feature fight of the night. I'm here to take everything he's earned, all that hype that he's got going his way, all that hard work he put in to get that hype. I'm taking everything November 12th. Well, that's what makes you so dangerous is you're completely cool if people don't know you because then you'll take the credit off the other person that you beat. You know, somebody tunes in to watch him, then they end up seeing you uh, go to work. So it's just incredible. Um, what's it like training um, with your gym these days? How is, how's everything going? I know you work during the day full-time doing training at night. Is that still working for you time-wise and with the family and your body? How's everything going with that? Yeah, man. My strength and conditioning comes from my day job. and I'm an arborist by day, MMA fighter by night. And uh, I always tell people I get paid to work out. And then in the afternoons, I go bang out. So it's working out pretty well. Yeah, and every once in a while, I get to see photos that you post being up in trees. Do you do a lot of rope, tree work, up canopy stuff, or are you mainly on the ground? Oh, no, I'm up there all day long. I love it. That's my favorite part of the job is climbing up as high as 70 feet and doing some tree work. Well, that's a definite niche even among arborists, right? Because you get the arborists that are more the landscapers, right? Right. As opposed to you, you, what you do is the actual tree work. So yeah, if you're an arborist, you're up in a tree. I mean, you okay. either got landscapers or you got arborists. If you're an arborist, you're up in a tree doing some tree work, you know, doing some climbing, doing some roping. And, uh, you know, doing the damn thing. Now, I'm going to get sidetracked a little bit on trees because I've gotten into woodworking myself. And I work nice. with slab wood and live edge wood. Of course, it's been drying or killed, kiln drying and milled. But what is your favorite What is your favorite wood to cut into or work on as a tree goes? Do you have a specialty that you really enjoy being up or are they all the same to you? As far as climbing goes, I love being in maples. That's one of my favorites and nice and open. You're not, you know, too tight and crotches and stuff like that up there. Uh, cutting, it, it doesn't make a difference to me. It is what it is. We got hand saws and we got chainsaws and we cut the best of them down. 
Have you found White Oak to be super tough? Because I've worked with White Oak and I found it to be um, kind of a, a harder wood than even its counterpart, Red Oak. I don't know if you pay attention with a chainsaw or not. Mm. I haven't worked on too many White Oaks, but I would, I would assume it's around the same. Yeah, with the chainsaws. Well, cool. Thanks for that, for going with my sidetrack. <laughs> I just, I'm a walnut guy. Walnut's my favorite wood. Right. I, I love it, but I, you're cutting them, so you don't really... You don't really care about maybe the um, a grain on it or not. Although one it's last tree question: like Have you been up in any chestnuts? Because at one point American chestnuts were kind of extinct in North America. Now I heard they're actually sort of making a comeback. So I didn't know I if you know anything about chestnuts. Yeah, yeah, I've been in plenty of chestnuts. There, they made a comeback, and we work on them periodically. Oh. Okay, cool. Well, let's get back to the fighting stuff. <laughs> um, thanks for taking that side trick with me. I'm, I'm always thrilled to highlight people's jobs who are bivocational. I think, um, I think it was, it was a fighter on Dana White Contender Series last summer. I forget which fighter it was. Said that he thinks it makes him a sharper fighter because he has to compartmentalize and he has to be able to focus here and focus there, and he, he can't just sit around and think about fighting all day long. What's that like for you to have to have? I mean, because if you get sidetracked in a job like that, you could end up getting hurt or worse. So what's it like to be able to be completely focused in at work during the day? Yeah, man, when I'm up in a tree, I'm all the way focused on that tree and the job at hand. Fighting can wait till later on in that afternoon. But when I'm up there with a chainsaw in my hand, that's it's got my undivided attention for sure. Yeah, better have your undivided attention. And I guess that actually goes along with how you fight in the sense that you you are in there when you're in a fight, that person has your undivided attention. It doesn't seem like you get phased, you're super relaxed. And some of the fights that I've watched you cage sides for now in Bellator, the fight you had in Bellator, you seem like you're uh, having fun and maybe even to some degree, I, I wouldn't say goofing off, but you seem like you have a real style of flair. What's that like for you when you're in there having fun? So I'm always having fun, but once I figured out, once I figured you out and I read you, like a book and I figured out you got nothing for me, you're going to know that I'm going to start pointing at you. I'm going to start talking to you. And now once I start doing that, it's a wrap for you really. I actually was going to specifically ask about the pointing because I picked up on that um, in, in the fight. I announced when you were fighting for the belt for two, four, seven fighting championships, you did the pointing as well. And then in your debut for Bellator, you did the pointing um, that led right to that knee um, when did you, when did you start kind of incorporating the, the mid fight adjustments with the point? And when did that start coming part of your, uh, I wouldn't say game plan, but fightmanship. The pointing itself. I took that from Cody Garbrandt. He did sure. that against Dominic Cruz. Mm -hmm. He was pointing at him every time he touched him, he was dancing, playing around in there. And, uh, I, I liked it. I picked it up real quick and I'm just showing my opponent, like, listen, you're too slow mm -hmm. or I just landed hard on you or I'm coming for your neck. Like either way, it, 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 it uh, messes with their, with their, with their mind when I'm in there, when they're sitting there dead ass serious, trying to take my head off and I'm over here laughing, pointing at them as I'm hitting them. And, and you also talk to them. I've, I've seen, I've, I've seen your talking in action. Um, What's it, what's it like for you to have that level of confidence? Does that add to the fight or are you just as good in a fight where maybe you don't do pointing or talking? 
Yeah, I mean, it's not always going to be there. It's just all, every fight's different. It, it all depends on how the fight's going and how I'm feeling in the fight. You know, if it's a, like a tough fight, back and forth, he's catching me, I'm catching him. Trust me, he's got my undivided attention. And I'm going to keep him serious. I'm going to keep it serious in there. But once I figured you out and I know you got nothing for me, sorry, bud, but you're, you're going to have a rough night. I'm going to make sure you know it. Well, you it, it has shown very well. And I think that's something that, Fight fans hopefully appreciate it and enjoy is not only your um, you're a master at painting in the sense of the way you move and your your art form is really the, the way you fight, but also I think people can appreciate um, the fact that you point out quite literally and that you can kind of give them a hey I figured it out now. Um, when you talk about the Go Cody Garbrandt and Dominic Cruz fight, you know their title fight from a couple of years ago, um, that was I think in many ways sort of the first time that we've seen, at least in the UFC, somebody kind of perfectly outdo somebody at their own style. Right. Um, and is that one of the reasons why it connected to you that, that it's really, that was really a style matchup and, and Cody Garbrandt out Dominic Cruz, Dominic Cruz. So um, is that also another thing that you connect to that real footwork and that real crafty style? You could tell that he was in the zone. He was in his flow state. Everything he did was perfect. Every move he made was perfect right on time. And that's kind of like the state I like to live in while I'm in the cage. So that's why I really liked it. It really stuck with me once he started doing it. And I started seeing it in his performance. It wasn't just that he was doing it to just to do it. I saw everything he was doing. Everything had a reason. He wasn't out there just dancing because he just likes to dance. He was out there moving around, getting in his opponent's head and doing what he had to do to get that belt. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great it's a great mindset because you brought up flow state. When when in your career did you really start feeling like you could get to a flow state in a fight? I'm not sure when it happened, but I remember early on that, you know, it could happen and I didn't know what it was up until actually, I don't know, maybe a few years back. But uh it's just something that, that came to me. You feel different. It's hard to explain. Everything you do is right. Nothing you do is wrong. Every time you throw something or make, a, or make a move, it's always the right move when you're in that flow state and everything just comes out naturally. It's a state, it's a state where you're not even thinking. You're just letting your body do what, it's, what it does and what you've been training it to do. Yeah, I think that's the, the perfect definition for it. It's really about the combination between your mind and your body working perfectly together instead of your mind trying to fight your body or your body fighting your mind. Because we've right. seen that too, where people's exhaustion levels take over and their brain wants to do stuff, but their body can't. Right. Um, I know you always are comfortable talking about cardio and obviously you work for a living. Um, do you, do you put in extra um, work when you're up in a tree? Will you, Will you pull more than you need to? Or like, what do you kind of do? I'm, I'm curious as far as do you find out cardio elements at the job that maybe you wouldn't do if you weren't a fighter? As a matter of fact, it's funny you ask me that because I actually do do that at the, while I'm working, if we're like carrying logs and maybe I could do something the easy way, but I'd, I'd literally go the hard way just to get a workout out of it. I'll carry a log and dump it in the back of the dump truck and do a little squat with it and toss it or something or toss it with my left hand just to mimic yeah. that cross. Mm -hmm. I do that actually on a daily basis while I'm working. 
Well, it makes perfect sense because your mindset is functional. And I think that's how you fight. You fight very functionally. And we've actually seen it, you know, when you watch some of these um, fight preparation videos that get packaged together by Belt or whoever else, uh, more and more in the last couple of years, you've seen those functionals. They usually use a big um, Olympic bar, right. you know, that right. they're pushing. But a couple of years back, probably five, six years ago, you didn't really see a lot of those functional you saw everything very square and right. everything very loaded but you don't fight square and loaded you fight very unbalanced you know mm. as far as that goes and you have to load things differently um do you ever use the handsaw um on purpose for that reason um when you know because you said you either use a saw or a chainsaw do you sometimes handsaw something to keep your cardio up well i'd rather use my handsaw anyways just because um that way I can have one hand on the limb and I can use a handsaw with one hand. You know, on the chainsaw, you gotta have both of your hands on that saw at all times. Mm -hmm. So the more I use my handsaw, the better for me. Um, but when you get into like eight inch in diameter limbs, then of course you gotta pull out the chainsaw because I'm not out there trying to kill myself either. Some days I'm working 10 hours, so you gotta pace yourself. Well, and it's funny how well your job compares back uh, to MMA in the sense that you have to know the duration, you have to know kind of what is in front of you. And obviously you have shown in your fights um, that you're very fight aware time-wise, where you are in the round, uh, the damage the other person's receiving, maybe the damage you've received. So you're constantly kind of checking in with yourself, which is nice. Um, how, how aware are you on what we'll call fight IQ or fight situation? You talked about it from the flow, but do you sometimes process things based on um, your your timing in the round, what's happened already, kind of where are you with those um, adjustments? I feel like I have, that's one of my biggest um, attributes that I bring to the game is my fight IQ because when it's nearing to the end of the round, I can kind of feel that it's hard to explain. I have like an internal clock for that five minute timer. And when it's coming to the to the end of the round, I can feel that that it, you know the round's almost over. I do it at the gym all the time. Or if I feel like I'm too close to the cage, I don't have to look back or look down. I can feel that. I know exactly when to cut off the angle so my back isn't on the cage. So that's all embedded. That all comes from experience. I've been doing this for a long time, so you know little things like that that uh, stick with you. Well, you probably brought up even the more important one, which is the people that can sense the cage like you're talking about and angle off and cut off. And then the people that get their back put up against the cage, which right. of course against the wrestlers, a terrible um, idea. And I think it was DC a um, couple, couple months ago, headed in to his fight with Stipe. He talked about how as a wrestler, pressing somebody up against spot against the cage is the same thing as having them flat on the ground because you know, you're, you're in the same type position. So obviously being dynamic, getting off the cage or not even getting to the cage is important. Um, how often do you practice in an actual cage? Because I think your gym is kind of wide open mats, right? It so, is. So we used to have a cage, but now we're just working on like padded walls. Mm -hmm. We'll simulate that as being the cage. But um, as far as working in an actual cage these days, I'm not really doing that. You know, I've, I've that the cage, having an actual cage in the gym that's more for like the beginners or the 
the the Amis or the dudes that just turned pro, like they don't really know that feel yet. I've I've been doing this long enough to know exactly what a cage fence feels like. I don't have to scar up my back anymore. Like I used to, if you look at my back, it has lines up and down it because of cage work. But as long as we have something to work on, our takedown defense off the wall, off the cage, I'm good with that. Yeah, and absolutely. And your your padded walls, I find in some gyms can actually be more helpful because they, they don't give you a give at all. And the, the real cage gives you a little give. Right. So if you get used to working off a, a wall mat, which is not giving you any help whatsoever, when you get into the cage, you can actually create a little bit more of a bounce. So there's some value to that. Speaking of cages, um, I didn't bring this up last time because um, I kind of visually forget, but Bellator is a 100% circle. It doesn't have any of those corners or nooks and crannies. Um, did you feel that in there? Did you get in there and feel around the fact that it probably helps you bounce off them a little bit better because you don't get caught like maybe in other formed cages? Did you feel that last time? Listen, compared to a 247 cage, I have so much room in there for activities. It's ridiculous. Like <laughs> my back barely saw that the, uh, the, the, the cage. So I have so much room to work with in there. So I, it, does, it didn't even come in effect, the fact that it was a circled cage, you know? So it worked out in my benefit. Well, you had a great reference to stepbrothers there. So much room for activities. Um, but yeah, when when I watched that fight, you really, even though you were fighting a wrestler, it was as if you weren't even in a cage, really, because you were constantly circling. So it, it, it's really nice that you're in that position where all your skills, um, I remember the first time I interviewed you on here, um, you were fighting for 247 and you were talking about how in your pro career you've always targeted guys with better records and better experience and you, you picked up a couple extra losses than some people might have um but it certainly looks like it's paying off for you now because there's nothing you haven't seen um you fought guys that had different skill sets and were stronger in different areas um talk a little bit about that because i know that's something that you actually you and comma both did that a lot in your career um and now for both of you it's paying off um, so maybe give maybe a little bit of advice to a pro who's still low in the um, professional ranks and, and kind of fighting his way up. So my advice is early on, still take the, you know, the O and O. Like if you're making a professional debut, take the O and O or the O and one or the one and O. Take it slow. I was one of those dudes. I've always been, I still am that guy that says anybody, anywhere, anytime. I don't care how tough. But this is a business at the end of the day. So if you're starting out, I'd start slow and then gradually pick it up. Don't just fight couch potatoes just to have a shiny record because then you're going to fight a real fighter and he's going to put you on your ass or knock you out or, you know, make, make it a hard night for you just because you haven't fought anybody mm -hmm. in that caliber yet. I've already fought dudes that are in the UFC currently. Mm -hmm. I fought dudes that went on and did bigger and better things. So... I know what the tough guy looks like and I know what the scrub looks like and uh, they can all get it. <laughs> well, that is great advice uh, that you shared there and also shows that you're learning from your own experience and that you know yourself very well. And I think that's something that is playing out perfectly for you that you knew several fights ago, um, if not longer, that you were at the level of UFC or Bellator or 1FC. You actually said that on several occasions you got a, a late 
replacement fight kind of option for Bellator. You made the jump um, and it, your attitude is perfect. Um, you were just posting recently on Facebook about your lady and kind of what she means to you. Let's talk a little bit about what it's like to have um, a family and relationships that's more important than fighting and how that all plays into you as a person. Our family here, we're team De Jesus all the way. She helps me out in every way possible that you can help somebody out other than training and fighting. You know, she's also a certified nutritionist. So she mm -hmm. does my weight cuts. She does my meal plans. She does my meal preps. She helps me out. She comes out to the event. She's, I put her in my corner for that reason. She helps me out with my weight cuts and she's another voice at it. When I'm in the cage, she can say anything and it'll zone in. You know what I mean? So say my coach is needed uh, to get a point across. If she says it, it will zone in automatically because I can hear her from, she could be in the parking lot screaming. I can hear her, you know? So it's worked out very well. You know, I love the fact that, that she's in my corner and that she's there with me and we're on this journey together. Well, absolutely. And I'm glad you gave her such a nice shout out. And it really shows that uh, fighters have to be more focused and more appreciative around people around them and who's in their corner, either in this case, literally in your corner or just support because all too often fighters um, end up that mindset, I'm doing it on my own and it ends up causing some type of emotional or even performance issues. So it's always great that you have that, uh, that desire to give credit um, to the people that are really helping you. So it's just so great. Um, well, I, I wish you the best. I guess um, I always like to give you the opportunity to make a statement about either a prediction um, or a comment on the upcoming fight because you have given us some doozies in the past. I <laughs> uh, remember you gave a, a great one when you were going in to fight Ethan Goss for the title for 247, and you ended up being exactly right. You said you'd get a finish, and it would be brutal. I think you used the word brutal, um, and indeed it was. So what's your prediction or mindset going into this fight? I mean, I'm fighting another wrestler. It's probably, he's probably the best wrestler I've ever fought in my life, but it's all the same. They're coming at me. They're coming from my hips. They're coming across. And if they want to know exactly what my jog strap smells like. So <laughs> that being said, I'm going to work on my takedown defense. He's going to hold some knees and he's going to hold some elbows. And I'm coming for the finish come November 12th. Well, you can't get any better than that. Uh, John DeJesus, thanks so much for coming on the show. I, I wish you the best. I can't wait to see you in action November 12th for Bellator. It's a Thursday night um, on TV for Bellator MMA. Thanks again. Yeah, man. Appreciate you.